Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That's right. Turn it off. Let's go. Royals Rally 2024. Welcome back. I'm Josh Vernier, Royals Insider. Pleased to be with you. Hanging out for another hour. But Royals Rally is going throughout the afternoon. Going to have a chance to go talk with John Sherman once we get off the air here at noon. You'll hear that throughout the week. Uh, If he says something newsworthy. Because there's also a big week of football coverage coming up on your official broadcast partner, the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. But today, this afternoon, I mean, we still care about the Chiefs. You know, we still got a lot of bets already placed on the Chiefs. But today, we are focused on the Royals. And we are your home for Royals baseball once again in 2024. 610 Sports Radio. Let me go to the text line. Uh, from the 913, Vern, it's just hard to get excited about the new arms when the Royals finished in the bottom half of the league in nearly every offensive category. Now, I realize we caught fire in the second half, but Vern, we were already 15 games out by then. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, started the show at 9 a.m. And, and gave you what I believe, as we sit a week away from the beginning of spring training, what I believe are the th- Questions heading into the season. The biggest questions heading into the season. And for the first time in 10 years, my uncertainty is largely surrounding the offense. I can't remember the last time when we talked about heading out to spring training and what I'm looking for. I can't remember the last time. Daniel Lynch and Brady Singer and Chris Bubich weren't immediately names coming out of my mouth. Questions about the rotation and are they going to be able to get through the season? Honestly, the the past three years, for as much as it pained me to do, live from Arizona, I'd go on with Fesco in the morning throughout spring training and say, I I don't know how this team's going to make it to August or September. They just don't have enough pitching. 2021, 2022, 2023. I wasn't even three weeks into spring training and I'm already sending out distress signals. Boys, get us some pitching or else this summer is going to be brutal. And past three summers, pretty brutal. Now, I know we had the Salvi home run, 
record and Bobby's breakout campaign last year. No, no. It's still a wonderful game. It's still a beautiful ballpark and a fun team. But the losses begin to mount. And as you point out, the offensive numbers lagged. So, yeah, to me, the biggest question, well, I guess I I, I should start with pitching because truly the biggest question is, am I overconfident in this offense? How confident should we, or excuse me, I should begin with the pitching because the main question is, how confident should we be in this pitching? Excuse me. Maybe I'm overconfident. But truly, when I'm dialed in to what's going on at spring training, my question is this, are there four reliable bats? Probably haven't asked an offensive question to kick off spring training since 2014. 2014, you're excited about what Duffy was going to bring, what Jordana was going to bring. You knew you had shields. You felt good about that rotation. But the question was, can this offense duplicate the flashes that we saw in 2013? And now here we are. Lugo and Waka, I think, bring consistency and reliability. The upside of Singer. The upside of Reagan's. And even if they take a slight step back, I still think they're quality big league arms. So to me, uh, the pitching isn't one of my big question marks, unless it turns out I'm overconfident. So really, it comes down to three questions. Am I overconfident in this pitching? Are there four reliable bats? And all of that kind of funnels down to one thing. Can this team maintain through the month of May? Can this team make sure that you find a way to see what they're doing in June, in July? So when I'm sitting here getting you ready for the game at Kauffman Stadium, you're not coming up to me wanting to talk about the stadium or the television deal. Because you want to talk about what's going on on the field. You want to talk about that night's pitching matchup. You're not interested in, oh, I I can't find the Royals game on television because you went out and found it because they made you. Because the product they were putting on the field gave you the push to go and sign up for whatever you need to sign up for to watch this team on television. Can they maintain through May? Because I understand where you're coming from, Texter. The skepticism is proper, fair. You come across that skepticism because of what's happened over the past half decade. I understand it. Text line's always there for you, 913-586-7610. But I'm not going to sit here and say uh, that, 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 that you need to be excited. How did uh, my friend from the 913 put it? It's just hard to get excited by the new arms when the offense finished in the bottom half. No, I understand that. But imagine this. Imagine, you don't even need to imagine. You remember last year's rotation? Grinky and Lyles at the top with Brady Singer as your three? Okay, so you're Bobby Witt Jr., you're Salvador Perez, you're MJ Melendez on opening day. Now, they don't think like this because they're big leaguers and they're good teammates, but I think like this. If I'm Bobby, if I'm Salvi, if I'm Vinny, if I'm MJ, I'm standing on that first baseline on opening day. 
What do you think? I'm thinking I got to carry us to victory. We, as an offense, need to carry this team to victory because what we're equipped with on the mound, more times than not, is going to give up four or five runs a game. So I'm driving to the ballpark every day thinking I got to put up six. How do you not press in April and May? How do you not press in the first 60 games of the season when every time you go to the ballpark you feel as if you got to put up six runs as an offense to have a chance? You can understand how things would snowball, right? Fast forward to opening day 2024. Now, I understand the skepticism. I'm not trying to convince you one way or the other. I'm just giving you my opinion. Now, when Bobby and Vinny and MJ and Mass and the rest of them are standing on that first baseline, and they have Michael Waka, and then tomorrow night they're going to have Cole Reagans, and then the night after that they're going to have a guy with another sub-4 ERA and Seth Lugo. And then as we start a new series, we're going to Brady Singer. All of a sudden, I, as an offensive cog, Don't feel the weight of the world on my shoulders. Again, it's a lot like that 2013, 14, uh, that that two-year stretch where guys like Haas and Gordo and Moose and the rest of them knew in 2012, we don't have the horses. We had Luis Mendoza and Bruce Chen and Luke Hochaver. We got to put up six runs every night to even have a chance. That stuff can snowball. That negativity, that's pressure can beat anybody down but when the pitching shows up when you have not even stars right with all due respect to Irvin Santana and Jeremy Guthrie nobody thought that they were stars they were consistent reliable pitchers and when you're standing on that first baseline when you're hearing the national anthem opening day whatever it is and you know the guy in the mound's going to give you a chance to win all you need to do is make the routine play look routine, and execute the game plan offensively, scratch across a few runs because the pitching staff's going to make it hold up. What that does to your confidence, to the type of pressure that you're feeling from the fans, from your teammates, from yourself, begins to subside. So I understand your skepticism when it comes to this offense, And that skepticism comes from last year's struggles, which is making it difficult for you to appreciate the additions this team has made to the rotation. I understand it. But to me, the rotation helps the lineup. The rotation obviously helps the bullpen. You know the rotation is going to help the defense, keeping everybody on their toes. The question is, okay, MJ doesn't feel that same pressure maybe that he felt a year ago. Michael Massey doesn't feel it. Bobby Witt Jr. doesn't feel as if I need to be an MVP in April to make sure that we're playing important games in June. Now with that pressure, that it's us or nobody thought process, to eradicate that to me should improve this offense. If fill-in-the-blank player is a big leaguer. If you think this guy is the real deal, 
No, we all think Bobby's for real. Salvi and Vinny, MJ. Hunter Renfro, right? So if you're skeptical about the offense, who is it in particular? I understand what the numbers said last year. Who are you skeptical of? Now, you're never going to have a lineup where one through nine, I like everybody. Even in 2015, you didn't have that because not many of you were big Alex Rios fans at the time. Not many of you were big fans of Alcides Escobar hitting leadoff at the time. Shoot. A lot of you weren't fans of Mike Moustakis at the time. But then come October, play made here, play made there, bomb hit there, homer hit there. Things can turn around quickly. Who is it in this offense, Texter, that makes you skeptical? Let me know. Text line's open for you, 913-586-7610. It's 913-586-7610. Still coming up, we'll talk with Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo and Michael Massey. Still hoping for Brady Singer and Alex Gordon. We'll find out after this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back inside Kauffman Stadium Royals Rally 2024 with you until noon. Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo coming up in 15 minutes, but pleased to be joined by the great number four World Series champion and college baseball Hall of Famer, Alex Gordon. Gordo, congratulations first and foremost on uh, the Hall of Fame. Man. Yeah, very cool, and even better that it's coming to Kansas City and to the Overland Park area, so it's five minutes from my house, so the, the ceremony and the presentation will be nice and easy for me. Was the fun in college put it this way when was the fun that you had in college duplicated in the big leagues actually I will say this my first year in minor league baseball uh, we we're in Wichita in double a and we pretty much had a college team and that was that was one year after my junior year so it was, it was pretty much like a college team with you know we had Billy Butler we had Grinky we had Hochaver we had Mitch Meyer just a bunch of young college guys so um, that was a, that was a, people always ask me what was your favorite year that was probably one of them uh, in 2006. Spoke with Will Smith earlier. He told the story of you and Hoach and Frenchie taking him and Jake Odorizzi out for their first show dinner. Do you remember that, or did you take so many kids out that you don't? There is quite a few show dinners, and it's usually a nice steakhouse with some good wine and, you know, just telling stories, uh, taking care of the young guys and showing them the ropes and giving them a hard time at the same time, but also just uh, showing them love and um, – 
make him feel welcome on the team and everything like that. So uh, there was a lot of them. So I don't remember that one, but I'm, I'm sure it was fun. Do you remember yours? Who took you? You know, it was Reggie Sanders, Mike Sweeney. We didn't do a steakhouse. We did like a little sushi spot. I think it was um, Reggie's um, Reggie's spot. He always had a spot everywhere we went. But um, I do remember that. Um, I do remember Mike Sweeney pretty much just taking care of me from day one when I was in the big leagues because I was a little, a little overwhelmed. I skipped AAA, went from straight from AA, so didn't know what to expect. And Mike was like, I'm taking this kid under my wing and pretty much showed me the ropes, hotels, clubhouses, uh, going out to eat, stuff like that. So it was great to have him. You're hard-pressed to find two better men than Mike Sweeney and Reggie Sanders when you get to the big leagues. I mean, I would imagine a guy could get uh, swayed one way or the other, but kind of fall in the line behind those two will keep you on the straight and narrow. I mean, it was great to have those two, you know, Hall of Famers pretty much yeah. uh, to look up to. And, you know, and what's cool now is pretty much they're still in the organization and still giving back to all these young guys you know, their experiences, their knowledges and stuff like that. So very fortunate uh, for me to have them my rookie year. And you're doing the same. What have, what have you gotten out of your role since uh, hanging them up? Trying to do a little bit what Mike and Reggie do. I'm just, I'm just not under contract with the Royals. So um, all these people here I have such good relationships with. I'm just like, give me a call. I'm right down the street, and I'm here to help out. So a lot of fantasy camps. A lot of spring trainings. Uh, try to show up here every once in a while, but you know, uh, maybe sometime when the kids get older, I'll, I'll be more involved with the Royals. But as of right now, I'm just enjoying the family and trying to do as much as I can for for Kansas City. Have you been plunked in a fantasy baseball game? No, we don't. We don't play anymore. They. Uh, okay. I remember back in the day they used to say that the. The fantasy campers used to play the alumni uh, for one game, and I'm like, uh, I don't know if that'd be a good idea anymore. So, I am trying to get some of the. Not that I don't like the uh, what we have there now, but I'm trying to get some of the guys that retired with me, uh, like the Greg Hollins, the Wade Davis, and some of those guys to come back and do it with me. So we had Jay Gutzler last year. Billy Butler's done it once, but. Um, yeah, it's fun. And, you know, I see a lot of guys around town that are fantasy campers and we always share, you know, good laughs and good memories. I would think being a corner infielder at a fantasy camp, if I'm, if I'm facing a former big leaguer, that might get a little dangerous. You got Gordel lining one at you at first base and you're just some, you know, guy like me. Yeah, out there in Arizona, that could get a little, uh, get a little sideways. I will tell you, these guys take it pretty serious and, um, they come out and they're ready to go and, it's usually by day four, day five, they're still trying to get after, and that's when the pulled hamstrings start to happen, and they they got to go get treatment. So um, it's a, it's a different element when you get in the, uh, you know, day four, day five. But uh, they have fun. We we show them a good time, and it's a, a good experience for everybody. I mentioned those show dinners. Was there ever a teammate that was the most out of place where you could tell this guy hasn't uh, been to the nice steakhouse? yet uh, i would i would say me honestly really? okay. like my rookie year um i can remember going to ruth chris in the plaza uh actually it was before my rookie year i took my family out there and you know i grew up in nebraska so we had we had some steakhouses but it was nothing like that and um i fell in love with it and i always love a good steakhouse my favorite spot is uh, uh 801 chop house out here so sure. it's right down the street and i go there all the time so um it was different for me, but now that I've done it a couple times, uh, I like to enjoy it all the time.
Future Royals Hall of Famer Alex Gordon joining us here on 610 Sports Radio. You look at what this team did this offseason, bringing in Seth Lugo, bringing in Michael Waka, uh, giving guys like Bobby and Vinny and MJ a little bit more, uh, I don't know if it's going to be turn into confidence, but a little bit more assurance that the guy on the mound is going to give us a chance if we can just scratch across a few runs. To me, it's somewhat mm-hmm. similar to what the front office did for you guys going into 2013 when they brought in Irv and Guthrie and, and James Shields. What did that mean to you for, for a guy that had dealt with too much losing, but you could sense, hey, we got some winners here, man. Just get us some pitching and we can win. I started a sense in 2011, actually, um, us starting to turn a corner. Now the wins didn't to match what that feeling was, but to see some of the Hosmer, the Moustakas, and then, you know, myself, Billy, um, all these other guys having good years, and it started to kind of click together. And it was, you just talked about it, it was 2013. Um, it was in the off season. I was kind of getting close to the start in the spring training. And I remember sitting, it was late. I was sitting in my bed and then it came across the ticker that we got James Shields. And just the, you know, I felt like we were close and there was just a little spark of motivation that, you know, this is it. Cause I faced James Shields, you know, at Tampa Bay and I knew how good he was and what, what a gamer he was. So I knew what he was going to bring to this team. And it sure, certainly he did. Now, I didn't know Wade Davis was going to be just as good as James Shields, which which was just awesome. But um, I think those kind of those kind of signees, as far as the Wakas and the Lugos and stuff like that, it's not about just going out there and spending money. It's about getting the right guys. And I've I've played against these guys. I know what kind of competitors they they are. But you know, the reason I felt like we were so good, yes, we had a little bit of talent, but you know, we had a good clubhouse. We had fun. We loved each other. We loved playing together. And I think that's what. You know, hopefully that's what they're trying to do here. So um, play 162 games. You want a guy next to you that you want to play with and you want to play um, every day with. So um, hopefully that's what they're doing. I like the signees that they've done, and uh, hopefully it will bring some some upside to 2024. Speaking of this squad, uh, your thoughts on, on on Bobby Witt Jr. What stands out about his ability? Does he remind you of anybody that you competed against or played with? I just love how he plays, and I was – I kind of regret retiring in 2020 just to not to be able to play with that kid because, I mean, he's he's a special player. I think we all know about the talent. We see the speed. We see it's just overall ability. Um, you know, but, like, when I was in 1920 and seeing him in spring training, how he carried himself, how he went about his business, uh, very humble. He's just he's just a perfect player that I think you can build a team around. So I wish I could have played with him at least one year just to – just to see him work and to see him go about his business and obviously his, his skill. But um, he's, a, he's a special player, and I, I love what he does on the field, but I love even more what he does off the field. Alex Gordon's our guest here on 610 Sports Radio. I mentioned uh, Hall of Famers earlier. The, the latest class of Cooperstown was announced, and now they're uh, your contemporaries, a guy that you went to battle with hundreds of times, Joe Maurer. Uh, inducted or going to be inducted into Cooperstown. When were you first aware of him? Do you have any stories from uh, your, your battles with him and the Twins? Yeah, so uh, obviously a lot of battles there. Um, when I moved to left field, because we all know Joe Maurer, he's a very opposite field hitter, and he'd always come up to me because I always knew where to play him, and it was almost right down the line because he'd always shoot that line drive, and I, I always make you know, a diving catch or something like that. And he'd just look at me every time I did it around first base and kind of throw up his arms. And, you know, we have our, our good moments in between bat and practice and talking smack to each other. And he's like, he's like, I hate you because you've taken so many hits away from me. But 
Um, he was one. He was one of those players that was just a special talent. And there was two hitters that you know I really enjoyed watching their batting practice. One was Miguel Cabrera because all he did was he made batting practice look easy. He just flicked balls to right field and they'd go 20 rows up in the stands. And it was just impressive to watch him do what he did. And Joe Maurer is the other one, just because his swing was so perfect. It was the same thing every time. And it was like everything you tried to teach in a swing, it was in his swing. So those are two guys that I really looked up to, and I'd, I'd come out of uh, the locker room just to watch your batting practice every once in a while. Alex Gordon with us here on 610 Sports Radio. The people need you. The fans are here. The fans are ready to see uh one of their all-time favorites. Gordo, I can't thank you enough for the time this afternoon. Uh, we'll see you out in spring, and we'll see you out at the K. Yeah, appreciate it. Always good chatting with you. All right, brother. There you go. Alex Gordon, 610 Sports Radio. We'll take a quick time out. When we get back, we talk with the general manager, J.J. Piccolo. That's next. Back at it live from Kauffman Stadium. It is Royals Rally 2024. I'm Josh Furnier. Pleased to be with you. Pleased to be joined by the architect of this 2024 campaign, the general manager, executive vice president, J.J. Piccolo. J.J., appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing well, Vern. How are you doing? I'm great, man. Uh, talking with people on the text line, uh, a lot of optimism. And, and, and the thing that I keep coming back to that is maybe the first time in like 10 years I've felt this way as I'm getting ready for spring training, my main question isn't pitching. Right. I, I, it's always pitching. You can yeah. never have enough pitching. Uh, but, wow, you have to feel good about where, where you sit right now on the mound. Yeah, we, we do. I think we, we clearly understood ending the season last year that, um, you know, we, we feel like we have some guys internally that are going to step up and they are going to be part of the future. But for us to kind of get this thing moving in the right direction, we needed to address the pitching. We needed two starters. We need to sort of rebuild or remake our bullpen. Uh, and fortunately, we were able to do it, you know, with some veteran guys that have had a lot of success in the big leagues, um, you know, leader type of personalities, which I think is also really nice to, to add to the clubhouse. Uh, but it clearly was an objective of ours, and I think it's going to raise the level of competition, and we're, we're much deeper uh, on the mound than we were last year. I hate to always bring up the championship team, but I was just talking with Alex Gordon, and I remember when you, when you, when you guys brought in – you know, Shields and Santana and Guthrie to make sure that Moose and Gordo and Haas, that those guys wouldn't become comfortable with losing. Any yeah. similarities here with Bobby and I, Vinny and the rest? No, I, I think there are a lot of similarities. And in, even uh, talking to Adam Frazier last week when we signed him, we were just talking about his experience of going from Pittsburgh uh, to Seattle. You know, he went in, into a, a clubhouse, playing all those years with Pittsburgh, but then being in a clubhouse that – like knew that they were going to win. They were competing. And he said it was just such a drastic change. And that's what our young players need to experience. And when you bring in eight, nine new faces that have all played in the playoffs, it's going to change the culture. It's going to raise the expectations. And uh, we've always bought into the, the, the theory of, you know, sort of the John Wooden thing. You don't talk about winning. It's the process. But when players talk about winning and yeah. players talk about it, that's different than, you know, Q and the staff talking about it. And I think that's the type of dialogue that's going to happen in our clubhouse. And every one of the guys we brought in talked about what do we need to do to win because I'm not coming there just to collect a paycheck. Right. I want to win ball games. So uh, it, it'll be a different atmosphere for us uh, without question. We, we talked a lot last year about it being an evaluation season. I'm sure you're 
you were tired of talking about it at the end of the year. Lord knows I was. The fans were as well. What type of insurance did you have from ownership that we will act accordingly? Because that, 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 that's all I was screaming all offseason. Man, we'll, we'll, we'll persevere through this so long as you abide by the results. 106 losses, but $110 million spent. Uh, that, that, to me, looks like abiding yeah. by the results. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Mr. Sherman has been very supportive and very consistent in what, it, what he's shared with me that, you know, it's not that we're not going to be willing to spend money, but we're going to spend money when the time's right. Mm-hmm. And we reached a point in this offseason where things were starting to look like, hey, we've got a, a pretty good core of players that we've added to what we think is a good young core. Uh, and we still thought we were a couple players short, a starter short, a, a left-handed bat short, and – and he did exactly what he said he would do is support us. And, you know, it was one of those situations where we had to we had to choose between trading something that would create a hole to fill a hole. Yeah. But now the team's still not as good. And once we had that discussion, John was great and uh, we were able to secure a few more players. So were you uh, confident in that throughout the season? I, You know what? Not until you get into the moment, you know, and, and really throughout the year, I was still, you know, very optimistic that we have players on this team that are going to help us win a championship, just figuring out who they are. So, so more so locked in on that, but it wasn't until the end of August, I'd say getting into September, you start scouring that free agent um, list that's out there. And then you start taking those conversations a little bit further. And at that point, I, you know, I felt confident that at that point, which was end of the season, early part of the off season, that our ownership was going to make the commitment that would allow us to compete at a higher level. I had a texter write in earlier um, saying, has there ever been a, you know, not very many 100-loss teams follow that up by going to the playoffs, but he said, Vern, not many 100-loss teams spend the type of money this offseason that the Royals did. And, and my response was, well, I think that goes back to what J.J. said at the end of the season of, yeah, 106 losses. We don't feel like we're a 100-loss team. Um, that that speaks to the aggressiveness, yeah. uh, in my opinion, that, that, that you identified. Yeah, yeah, things may have gotten sideways in the first half of the season, but we saw enough that uh, that, that can be flipped yeah. rather quickly. Well, and, and we got confirmation uh, in, in the free agents that we were, quote, unquote, recruiting, yeah. you, know, we, you know, why Kansas City. The, the feedback we got is when we were across the way in the other dugout, we were scratching our heads a little bit about why Why did this team lose 100 games? So, uh, you know, hearing that unsolicited, you know, why? and really I'm asking the player, and Q was with me on those trips, uh, why would you be interested in Kansas City? Right. Because I think that team's on the come. So that was, you know, unsolicited confirmation of what we were seeing. Sometimes, you know, we're so close to the, you know, the action, we may not be seeing it, but uh, that was good to hear. But I think that – what you're alluding to is exactly right. We, we felt better about our personnel than what our record indicated. And then also, you know, in our division, if you're around 500, you're in a race, yeah. you know, and I, now some years teams are going to win 92, 93 games. But if you're around 500 and that's never going to be our goal just to be 500, but if you're around 500, you're playing meaningful games in August and September. And, and that's what we owe our fan base. We, we need to have people in the seats enjoying this team, the type of game we play, being competitive year in and year out. And, you know, this was one way to achieve it. 
Uh, now it gives us opportunity as well to focus on our farm system and get that farm system back to where it needs to be, uh, get the international operations moving in the right direction again, and then kind of be locked and loaded right. and ready to go for years to come. J.J. Piccolo is our guest here on 610 Sports Radio. Uh, what would a winning month of April mean to this organization? Huge, huge, and, and it's, it's a daunting month. I mean, we got, we got Toronto, I think, seven times. We got Baltimore, I think, six times. Uh, we got the Twins in there, the White Sox. Uh, it's a tough month, but, you know, you really want to be competitive that first month. I mean, clearly what we went through, we came out of spring training last year feeling pretty good. We played great in spring training, and then we just didn't get off to a good start. Right. Um, so it's not the end of the world if you don't, but it would be very meaningful if we could have a good month of April and keep our, keep our heads up, build that confidence, move it into May, and then obviously the latter part of the summer. I mentioned this to Q. Um, Cole Reagans would have fans excited about 2024, whether you brought in Seth Luger or Michael Waka. But the desperation for Cole Reagans to duplicate what he did in 2023 would be heightened, if not for Seth yeah. Lugo and Michael Waka. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, it's a great point. It's, uh, you know, I, we, we're really, really happy with what Cole Reagans did for us. If he repeated that over six months, he's winning the Cy Young Award. Yeah. You know, so... You know, realistically, you know, we know there's going to be some kind of regression, you know, but but we know he's very talented. But you don't want him feeling like he has to shoulder the burden. Right. You know, just be one of five. Where Give us a good six, seven, eight innings every fifth day and let the other guys do their job. He, he doesn't have to carry that weight on his shoulders. So I think that's where adding depth and experience should really pay off. It's going to help Cole become a better pitcher and reach his ceiling in the long run. Don't you think it has the same effect on uh, a Bobby, a Vinny, and an MJ to where I mean, we've seen what Bobby's done the past few Aprils. You, you can tell he knows I'm the star, and I'm going to go out there and hit 20 home runs in April, and it doesn't work out like that. Yeah. No, that's it, the, the deeper we can get, the more talent we have around guys. It's, it's look, it's you can go four for four, and you can lose 10 to nothing. Right. You know, right. so one player is not going to be able to swing the needle night after night over 162. They influence a win or loss. But you need five to six guys playing well every each night to win a ball game. So having one guy try to feel like he, you know, every time he hits the ball, he's got to hit a homer, or every homer needs to be a three-run homer. Right. It's just not healthy. So, you know, it's a team concept. It's, it's got to, we got to execute. Um, and, you know, we got to be better with runners in scoring position. It's not about one guy being better. It's as a team, we got to be better. We got to be better on the mound, throwing the ball across the plate. But when you get guys that um, have, again, have done it before, have that experience, it makes it a lot easier for the guys who are just coming into their own right now. Speaking of Bobby, are, are, are long term contract negotiations something that you welcome into the season? Or do you want those discussions tabled after camp breaks? Yeah, I, I think we got to be the, – the main focus here is that Bobby needs to be able to play the game. And if, if these discussions go into the season, that I don't think that's going to be a healthy thing for Bobby. Um, so we're going to have to figure out at what point, if something's not figured out, at what point are we going to end discussions, table them until next year. You know, he is still – it's year two, end of year two, so we got time to yep. extend him. You know, we think this is the ideal time to try to get it done. You know, hopefully those discussions, which have been going good. I mean, it's it's open dialogue. So it's not like they we've put them off to the side. There's regular communication, so that's healthy. Uh, where, where we feel great is that we think it's very clear that Bobby 
wants to be a Royal. Mm -hmm. You know, he hasn't asked for an amount of money that would tell us, uh, I'm going year to year and I'm going somewhere else. You know, there's open discussion. So when he says he wants to be in Kansas City, it's sincere. Our interest is sincere. But to answer your question directly, there needs to be a point where, okay, it's either happening or it's not happening this year, and then we table it. I mentioned to Q, as I'm – Getting ready for spring, getting ready for the season. We all like to project of what this, what kind of numbers so-and-so could put up. Uh, and, and Bobby's so talented that even the wildest number that I throw out there as far as, you know, RBI, stolen bases, home, anything is possible for this young man. He's, uh, he's incredibly talented. And the scary part is that I, I think he's just scratching the surface on what he's going to do. I mean, even with the impressive numbers and the historic things he's done, yeah, it's not out of the question that he's a 50-50 guy. You know, it's not out of the question. Uh, We don't want him to feel like he has to watch in the way he's improved from one year to the next. And, you know, last year, his second half of the year, a completely different player. Uh, there's no telling what he can do, and it, and it's it's all over. It's, it's offensive, it's defensive, it's base pass. He can he can influence a winner or loss every single night from three different areas. And there's not a lot of players that can do that. So it's going to be a really fun player to watch for a lot of years to come. And uh, I'm just glad we have him no wearing kidding. that royal blue right now. No kidding, no <laughs> kidding. I mean that that week two week stretch he had after the All Star break, it, it seemed he even surprised himself of yeah i knew i was good but man i'm i'm he'll never say it but i'm a superstar you you can see it in his uh body language you can hear it in his voice the the just the maturation process that he's going through he's realizing i'm pretty darn good (laughs) and you're right he'll never say it but he knows he's good and and even it's always been interesting to me and i've been fortunate to be around some really good players um how other players are a little bit in awe of a player. Yeah. And, I, and I feel that not only from our clubhouse, but even from the other teams. You know, the comments that we get, uh, even, again, going back to talking to these free agents, mm-hmm. you know, they're, tell me about Bobby. Like, they, they're enamored with Bobby. They see that he's a special talent, and um, we recognize it as well. How about MJ Melendez, uh, near 850 OPS in the second half of the season? He talked a lot about the reset that the All-Star break was for him. How do you get that for a full 162? MJ's a really interesting guy for us because I, I'm convinced he's going to hit 35 home runs you know, at some point. You know, I don't know when it's coming, but I, he's got that kind of power. You know, really, when I think about left-handed hitters we've had during, you know, our time here, the only other guy I can think of that hit the ball out the other way as easily was Hosmer, who would hit some balls out the mm-hmm. left center. But MJ crushes him the left center and you know there's no reason why he's not capable of, of putting up a year like that uh, I think he's going through some growing pains and you know the, the one of the big things last year that you know kind of at the end of the year you know I dug in a little bit more MJ always handled left-handed pitchers in the minor leagues in his first year in the major leagues and last year you know, there's a significant drop-off against lefties, and I think it probably put a little bit more pressure on on himself, you know, trying to to put numbers up against lefties. And he did the same thing against righties. I think it's just a matter of confidence that he gained in the second half of the year, you know, reestablishing some fundamentals with his swing, uh, which I know he's worked hard on this offseason, and then just going out and relax and let the game come to him. Don't mm-hmm. feel the need that I've got to get two hits a night uh, just give us good at-bats every night, and good things are going to happen because he's a dangerous hitter, and um, I'm glad we have him. And I think there's 
the, he's a key, he's a big key to our season. You know, when we think about our run production and, you know, yeah, we got Renfro and Vinny back and all that stuff, but MJ's a big key uh, to what our, whatever our success ends up being. He's going to be a big part of that. 2024 and moving forward. Absolutely. No question yeah. about it. J.J. Piccolo, our guest. Um, you know, I've, I've had people ask about the bullpen, and I'm like, eh, that. You know, let let let's get to spring training. Let's let's just see how that all shakes out. That that's tough to discuss. Uh, but your thoughts on the bullpen? Well, I I like the fact that we've got guys that are going to be very consistent. They're going to throw a lot of strikes. I and mean, Will Smith, I uh, kind of started this whole off season off for us. Once we were able to secure Will Smith and shared our vision and why he could help our team. Uh, Will wants the opportunity to close games out. That was big to him. And, you know, right now we don't have anybody in his way. So that opportunity exists. Chris Stratton throws strikes. Nick Anderson's power and strikes. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's some help down there in the bullpen that I think is going to be uh, obvious as we get into the year. But then, you know, then build around that. You know, you got MacArthur finished the year great. You know, we think he's tracking very similar to Barlow, you know, and if he can give us the years that Barlow gave us, that's outstanding. He finished some games for us last year down in Houston. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he went through the meat of the order, two out of three games down there. Um, and then, um, you know, and Carlos Hernandez. I mean, the sky's the limit for Carlos Hernandez. It's just yeah. a matter of harnessing that talent and getting him to focus night to night. Uh, but there's no reason why he can't pitch in the back end of a game. I mean, you're talking about 100 miles an hour with a breaking ball, um, but it's taken a little time to get him comfortable in that situation. But now going back to your point previously, when you got Will Smith and Stratton and Anderson down, it takes a lot of pressure sure. off of Carlos just to go compete yep. and not have to be the guy. Hopefully he becomes the guy at some point. But he doesn't have to be in April and May. We but we do need quality innings out of him. So our bullpen is deeper. Um, also, the competition we have in our rotation. Yeah. You know, there's going to be some fallout, and some of those guys may be in the bullpen. You know, we're eight deep right now. We feel like with our starter with our starters, uh, they're not all going to be in the rotation. Right. So we're going to get some help that way uh, with, with whoever doesn't win that spot, the fifth spot in the in the rotation, maybe in the bullpen, and uh, we'll be better for it. Team seems uh, rather complete, uh, but but final question for you. Outside of the Boris clients that are always available this late into the off season, are, are there more? Is there more free agent talent available right now than you would have expected? Yeah, yeah, certainly in mass. I mean, there, there. I, I forget the number. Somebody told me the other day is still over ninety major yeah. league free agents, which is crazy. Wow. I mean, we're going. Guys are leaving from here to right. go to Arizona. Right. So. Um, yeah, there's still talent out there, and that's why I've been asked about you know win expectation, where we're going to fin in the in finishing the division. But well, shoot, if somebody signs Jordan Montgomery in our in our division, well, that mm. changes things. Mm. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But I am, I think we all are very surprised at the number of free agents that are still out there, and they'll land somewhere. Yeah, it's just, it, it'll take some time and. You know, there's been some pretty good players signed in the middle of spring training here recently, and it'll probably happen again. And there's also some good guys that may not get major league deals right. that we got to be ready to strike. If they're available and they fit us, a non-roster invite with a good chance to make our big league Let's team, go. you know, that's where we got to get yes. the depth that Q talks about all the time. We, nope. need, we never have enough good players, and he's absolutely correct on that. No question. JJ, appreciate the time. I'll let you get back to the people out here at uh, Royals Rally 2024. No problem. Thanks, Vern. Appreciate Thank it. Appreciate you. you.
Royals Executive VP and General Manager J.J. Piccolo, kind enough to join us here on 610 Sports Radio, scheduled to be joined by Michael Massey coming up in a uh, matter of moments as uh, the Royals getting you ready for spring training. We're just about a week and a half away from a surprise Arizona being the center of Royals fans universe. And there he is rocking the one nine. Come on in, brother. Uh, Michael Massey stepping up as we round things out out here at Kauffman Stadium. Massey, go ahead and throw those on, man. Anyone you want, whichever. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm still on. JJ, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. Mass, how are you, man? I'm good. The Bears should not take Caleb Williams. No? I'm going to come out and say it. Were you getting peppered with those yeah, questions earlier? Sam, Sam was getting – yeah, there's been like 15 fans that have asked it already. So you're going to ride with Justin Fields then? Yeah, I like Jay Fields. I like him too, but the money and, you know, you get six years of – you know how it goes. We're close. Highlight of the offseason for you? Man. Um, Vinny Pasquantino's wedding. Mm. Yeah, it was good to – you look good, by the way. I saw the uh, groomsman picture and Vinny stepping forward. Yeah. Wore the suit well. Nice job. Yeah, you got to step up for Vinny. Got to. Um, yeah, that was an awesome trip. Got to see all the guys down there. and um, Just cool to celebrate Vinny and Ryan. So Anybody embarrass themselves on the dance floor? I mean, I think we all did, which was, you know, you embarrass yourself together. But right? no tie on the head no, and no, trying no, to stand no. on the head. Okay. I've seen that move before. Right. But, yeah, no, nothing. Michael Massey with us here. Uh, Vinny spoke earlier about uh, his, his yearly trip to Disney. He was talking about it with Cody and Gold, said he went down to Disney, does it every single season. Did, did, did you get a chance to get away, to, to, to vacation, to turn it off? Yeah, we did actually this year. I had, uh, felt like I was traveling the whole offseason just from uh, my fiance's brother played football at Miami of Ohio, so they went to the, the MAC championship and a bowl game. So uh, traveled and followed them around each weekend. Vinny's wedding. Um, I got my own wedding coming up in November, so a lot of we went. You know, we're getting married in Cabo, so we did uh, a nice little vacation down nice. there and and hung out. So uh, yeah, been busy, been good though to kind of turn it off and and uh, kind of hit the reset button. Yeah, uh, how how integral are you in the in the planning for the wedding in November? I mean, I know you need to be there. Uh, yeah, but, yes, honey. No, yeah, yeah okay. you know, just say yes. Um, yeah, everything. She's been she's been awesome with that. Everyone always asks her like, you know. Is, How's the wedding planning going? Is it stressful? I'm like, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm doing fine. Right. Ask my fiance. I don't, I don't know how she's doing. Ryan Lefevre <laughs> gave me the best advice uh, when planning. If you're ever posed, hey, do you prefer this or this? Think about it and go. Now, what are you thinking? Yeah. She'll give you, and then you just ride with whatever side she falls on. Yeah. No, I. Ryan's a pretty smart guy. He is. Um. Last season, I'm wondering what the lesson was for you coming out of 2023 what what was bouncing around the head throughout your offseason work I think just the the biggest thing is you know keeping it simple and being able to just control what you control every day you know I, I think you know what's different to me about the big leagues than any other level you play at is just the the sheer amount of of uh, chaos kind of surrounded by it right different stadiums uh, you know getting media questions you know just just the travels yep. everything right yep. so yep. As a as a player, just being able to say, okay, you know what, on a piece of paper on the left side, these are things that I, don't, I have no control over, right? They're just going to happen. And on the right side, these are things that I can control. And just understanding that you only have so much energy per day and that I really got to be – I don't got to be perfect, but I got to be as much on the right side of that sheet of paper as possible. Um, so I think this offseason just, again, really trying to figure out, 
okay, what is on that, that side that, hey, this is what I control, um, and just going all in, all my energy on that, right? Because mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, if I do that, whatever happens on the field happens on the field, you know, as an individual and as a team. Um, so just, again, I think really – Really trying to hone in on that, and again, going into a season kind of knowing what to expect. I think last year was a little bit kind of dipping the toe in the sure. water of, hey, it's our first full season. Don't really know how this is, you know, how you're going to handle certain situations because you've never been exposed to them. And so, real expectations, yeah, right? Exactly, a lot. Exactly. So I think, I think kind of knowing what we're getting into, um, you know, is just again, it's I think it's going to help, you know, help us handle some of those situations a little better. And you're kind of answering this this next question, um, but I'm watching Adam Frazier on MLB Network. Uh, He'll be there with you and Nick Lofton all uh, competing at there at second base. He said you were one of the first people to reach out to him after he signed uh, with the Royals, which, you know, knowing you as, as little as I do, it's not surprising you're, you're, you're a good man, uh, but you're also a competitor, uh, a ferocious competitor. That's how you end up in the big leagues. Why was that important to you to, to, to reach out to him and, and welcome in another uh, competitor at second base. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is, again, even last year, just realizing that this is all about the Royals, right? This is all about the team. It's all about the organization. It's all about the fans. So this thing's been going long before I ever got here. It's going to be long, you know, it's going to be going on long before I, you know, get out of here. So just being able to understand, like, hey, you know, they're bringing in the best players they can, and Adam's a great player. He's had a great career. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm excited to learn from him. I'm excited to pick his brain on certain things. Excited to compete with them. There's no reason why we can't do the same together, right? It doesn't always got to be you versus another guy. I mean, you need – Q always says that you can never have enough good players. Right. So, um, And, again, I, there's nothing wrong with competition. You get the best out of guys, right? You get the best when you got to go earn your spot, which it's the major leagues. Like, you know, you're, you're, it's the best 750 players in the world. So, um, you know, going into camp with some competition. But, again, also that open mind. Like, this guy's my teammate, man. He's going to help me out, and we're going to learn from each other. He's going to teach me, and – uh, you know, hopefully I can push him to, to to be a better player and get the best out of him because if you got a, a group full of 30, 40 guys pushing each other, really as an organization, mm-hmm. you got guys all the way from, from low A. They had the uh, the orientation camp here the other week, and, you know, I just remember that camp talking about a guy in low A can help the team in the big leagues because yep. you push the guy in high, and the guy in high pushed the guy in double A, and the guy in double A pushed the guy in triple A all the way up, and you create that sense of competition. And then you really get guys honing in on, hey, man, I got to control what I can control. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited that they brought him in. Yeah, and what you're describing is, well, it's it's Major League Baseball in 2024 where we're using all 26 men on our roster. Maybe the, the, the game that I grew up with, it was, you know, I'm running out the same nine every single day. But you look at where Q came from, you look at a lot of these championship teams, everybody's got to contribute. Exactly. And that, that's something, again, you th- talk about things I learned last year, um, kind of an up-and-down season, right? Had some had some really bad stretches, had some good stretches, and um, a lot of stuff in between that. But I think what I realized is, hey, like, I'm a major league player. When, right. I, when, I, when I am doing what I can do, right, and I'm when I'm playing to what I'm capable of, I can be out there for a long time. And so it just, again, it kind of turns that focus back to, okay, well, how do I just find that more consistently? Um, and when I'm not there – how do I get back to being there? Right. So, again, just, just controlling those things that I can control. Mass, really appreciate the time. Uh, the people are calling for you. They want your uh, autograph. They got more questions about the Bears for you. But I appreciate you swinging by. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me on. Michael Massey, Royal Second Baseman, joining us here on 610 Sports Radio. And that'll do it from Kauffman Stadium, Royals Rally 2024. Thank you very much for listening. I believe K-State basketball is coming your way next. If not, bye-bye.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.